You're listening to Tech Recruit, a podcast that educates talent acquisition and recruitment professionals on innovation to attract talent across all industries. We're glad you're here. Hey, listeners, I really appreciate you tuning in to my podcast. Please remember, if you're listening on iTunes, to give us a good five-star rating. And if you're listening in on other platforms, throw in some great comments below. We really appreciate all the support. Now on to the podcast. Welcome to the Tech Recruit Podcast. My name is Stacey Broadwell. Today we have Nahal Solomon. He is the manager of technical recruiting for Rubicon Project. Welcome, Nahal. Hi, Stacey. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you. It's a beautiful day here in Los Angeles, which generally it always is. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, getting by June gloom. I think we should be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, just waiting for the July to kick in and all the, you know, are you doing anything for vacation? Um, yes, actually, um, my wife and I are going to Bali for eight days. Yes. Uh, one of the perks of working at Rubicon Project is we actually do a summer shutdown where it's paid time off. Uh, we actually tell people, hey, you need to take time off, enjoy, relax. Uh, we shut down our laptops, and so the trip kind of coincided with that. So, yeah, I'm excited. So, you, uh, you're working at Rubicon. Tell me about Rubicon, because quite on- honestly, I feel like Rubicon Project's been one of those companies that always has positions out there. So, if you're a recruiter, you always see their advertisements. They're always doing something new. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I feel like a few years ago, didn't you guys move into a new building, a bigger building? We did. We did. So, you know, interestingly enough, I mean, Rubicon Project is a tech tech company in the advertisement space. And, you know, most of us don't really think about ad technology. You know, as consumers, we see an ad, we're like, oh, this ad sucks. You're kind of not, you're kind of glazing over it. But what I didn't realize is from an engineering perspective, there's a lot that goes into ad technology. Because if you look at it on a global scale, if I'm on the New York Times here in LA and someone in Chicago is on the New York Times, we see different ads and it could be a different type of format as well. And so really coming to Rubicon project really helped me understand how that world works. It sort of gives me a, a greater appreciation now whenever I see an ad, you know, and uh, as a company, since we were founded in 2007, I've been always trying to make uh, the experience of buying and selling advertisement very positive, but also for consumers, they're getting the right type of ads as well. Um, And as a company, Rubicon Project is interesting because ad technology runs in the background. You know, we're not a social platform. We're not, you know, in the entertainment side. I mean, we're literally running in the background. So for a a lot of people, they don't really know us. However, I think for engineers and folks that work in the ad industry, they definitely know about us because of, uh, from the engineering perspective, the complexities that we have on our platform. Um, so yeah, definitely a, a very different space to be in for sure. Uh, I find the ad tech space so interesting. And, and certainly I've worked with some companies that were in that space um, that, uh, that were trying to optimize where their ads go or understand where their audience is coming from. So do you work with uh, companies and helping them optimize their ads. Is that what Rubicon does? Well, just to keep it simple. So we're an ad exchange. Uh, so think of it as like the New York stock exchange for buyers and sellers of ads. 
Um, so we're not like specifically focused on the buy side or the sell side. You know, we don't create our own ad ads, you know, for products. We really rely on, you know, publishers um, and ad agencies to really come with, with that. And then we make sure that the right transactions take place. Now, along the way, we have certain guidelines um, and, and areas that we look for in terms of our expectations. So we're not, we're not getting any single publisher, you know, or any agency on our platform. We look to see sort of what data they have. Um, we look at many different factors before they actually come on our platform. So we're kind of like sort of a premier exchange. Uh, we're also what we call an independent exchange. Uh, our competitors would be Google and Facebook. Um, and what they do is, is, you know, they definitely want to get the traffic and advertisements onto, of course, their properties. Whereas for us, we're independent. Like we're not trying to like get someone to go to one specific site. That's, oh, that's so interesting. I, I had a conversation literally just yesterday on um, job ads and how you can advertise those job ads to potential clients or candidates and, and how you might do the, that in the different channels. And one of the things that was brought up was geolocating um, candidates and being able to push those ads to them. Does Rubicon do something like that? No, so, you know, that, so what that would be is, for example, you know, if we had, um, let, for example, I'll give you an example here, um, Waze, right? So Waze is an app that a lot of people use. Yep. Um, you're driving down the road and you come to the stop sign and uh, there's a pause or maybe a stoplight. It gives a, gives a chance for an ad, maybe it's a 15 second ad to pop up, right? Yeah. And the other day it was National Donut Day and there had to happen to be a Dunkin' Donuts like a couple of miles away. And it was like, hey, celebrate National Donut Day. Here's a Dunkin' Donuts 1.6 miles away. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. You know, I, how do they do that, right? And so, you know, that piece of ad might have not come to our exchange because for us, we might say, okay, you know, is that the type of inventory we want to we work with? Um, and it could be, but there could be other exchanges that might process that transaction. Uh, so we are out there and we kind of select certain publishers and agencies that we really only want to work with but as an example sure that could come through an exchange as well i just find it very interesting how companies are really trying to push the needle on how they get your attention and you know for companies that are in nebraska where you know you could just put a, a advertising like table tent on a table you know or in a gas station you know that might get your attention but in Los Angeles there's there's advertisements all over the place and you know and um, and there's a lot of traffic so it's funny that you're talking about like driving and getting an ad pushed you about the donuts and stuff when you pull up to a, a stop sign um, so really cool uh, so that's what you're doing at Rubicon you are um, as a manager tell us about your your team so um, I have a small team uh, mm -hmm. myself and um, another rec uh, technical recruiter. Uh, she she joined us at uh, the end of end of April. And, Wendy. Um, <laughs> yes, Wendy Landaverde. She's awesome. Um, and you know, uh, all, up till we we brought someone on board full time. You know, I was managing uh, contract recruiters, contract sourcers, 
And it, it was just an interesting place to be and where, you know, it's really all about executing on a short-term project. A lot of what we're doing is very sort of reactive recruiting. Um, but for 2019, we knew that there were going to be a number of brand new headcounts that was crucial to the growth of the company on certain products that we were working on. So it gave us a chance to really kind of um, put together a plan to go out and find the right person to join the team. Uh, but in addition to that, it doesn't mean like, well, I wasn't sitting around not doing anything. I had my own rec load as well, which then led us to um, the, what caught my attention was like, how could we use technologies and tools to kind of help uh, a really lean team still be able to find the right talent, right? And so those were some of the areas we kind of looked at and figured out like, all right, for 2019, uh, what do we want to do to, one, find the right talent? Um, hire quickly and be able to scale, but also the fact that, you know, our um, our engineering teams are scattered throughout multiple different offices. So we have Seattle, San Francisco, Bozeman, Montana. Yes, people always ask, you guys have an engineering team in Bozeman? I said, we got some great engineers in Bozeman, Montana. Um, we also have engineers in uh, Boston and uh, New York, and our newest office that we're opening up is New Jersey. Um, and also we have um, engineers in London, right? So if you look at it, it's like, all right, well, that's a pretty large and scattered engineering team. You know, typically a lot of companies in LA might, you know, just be in LA and maybe San Francisco. So it's sort of an easier market to kind of go after candidates. But when you're that spread and that wide, you got to have different tools and technologies that have to work for you, especially if you're the only recruiter or if you got one more person starting. Right. And so we have to be very selective about areas we wanted to get into. Uh, one of the things that I looked at is that at Rubicon Project, you know, for many years, I think there was a there was a reputation in the sense of being an ad tech earlier on. Like we were a great company to join. And then a lot of other competitors came through. And then when there was the ups and downs of the ad tech world. And so now it's like, all right, well, we need to get the word out there about about us. So we looked at why don't we get into social recruiting, right? Um, some companies are large enough that they have individuals that help run social recruiting. So whether it's on Twitter, uh, whether it's on Facebook, uh, whether it's on Snapchat, uh, whether it's even your company's LinkedIn page. I mean, there's, there's a social aspect to it where I would say current generation engineers are spending more of their time. They're very passive, but we didn't have like, a person dedicated to do that and because we're lean, we just don't have the, the time and the bandwidth to do that so we looked at you know what tools out there can we use and I heard about career arc at that time and they're located here in LA and so we did a demo with them and it was like this light bulb went off I'm like oh my god like this automates so much of what we'd want to do and so we looked at that and said and cost-wise, I mean, it was definitely within our budget. And, you know, we just said, gosh, even if we got one higher in a year, it's it totally met, you know, the requirements that we had. Uh, but also, it would just get the word out about us, you know, in different social channels. It's what we had so to creating do. like an engagement and putting your brand out there, getting it in front of the right people. That's what yeah. did for you. Yeah, so basically we could cr uh, create our own campaigns. It would automatically run it. 
Um, it would create its own hashtags. Um, it could use your own content that it automatically uploads. Um, and it just, and it has reports, so you kind of see like how your campaigns are doing. You can make changes as well. I think the core thing is, is um, you kind of really need to um, really get together with your marketing team, right? And because marketing teams at Rubicon Project are really all about the B2B side of our business. Whereas for social recruiting, we're all about going and finding individuals that'd be excited about working for Rubicon Project. So we implemented Career Arc. I had to integrate that with our social channels. So we actually had to create our own Rubicon um, Project uh, Jobs Twitter handle, which was kind of fun to do. Um, and so. Why did you have to? I mean, obviously, but was there a discussion between like, should we put these on Rubicon Project's main one or should we have a jobs one? What was the, how did that conversation go? I'm just curious. So, so for the company Rubicon Project, it, it is, I would say from, from the social aspect, really focused on working with our clients, mm -hmm. such as like, you know, Spotify is one of our huge clients. You know, so it's more about, you know, the branding of the company from a B2B perspective, what our platform and technology could do. Also talked about how we're engaged in the ad tech world from like summits and products and so forth. So um, from that social aspect, um, I think our Rubicon project uh, Twitter handle was more for, the, the audience was much different, right? We're not gonna have candidates really out there. And so what was suggested is that we create um, a join Rubicon um, Twitter handle. And so uh, it's fun, like when you're creating a brand new Twitter handle that you know it's gonna go out you know, globally, you're a little bit more mindful of like, okay, what you're gonna put out there, right? So, but it did make us sort of work together with our marketing team to really come up with a way that um, the marketing team can get something out of this as well as recruiting, right? So we wanted to make sure that there was still quality branding that was going on, um, but also it was interesting because then marketing would be able to also maybe talk about some of our team events that happen in the offices, you know, and kind of link that up with our Twitter handle, um, which then would go into uh, our Facebook page and LinkedIn page as well. So that was kind of great to kind of get that social recruiting aspect off and running. And uh, along with that, you know, we looked at and said, all right, well, as a company, we really do well in drawing talent to our site. Um, when I talk to my fellow recruiters in the world, uh, I talk about how we have actually a large number of hires of people that come to our own site, which is interesting because I think a lot of companies, you spend a lot of time sourcing or finding different avenues uh, because a lot, of, a lot of the folks that apply probably aren't the quality of what you're looking for. But what we realize is that you gotta write a good, great ad, especially if you're an ad tech company because like I said, from a branding perspective, you're not the Snapchats, you're not the Airbnbs, you don't have the name brand. So we, we figured it's like anyone that applies has actually probably done some research into what we, what we do and they kind of read the job descriptions and realize that, okay, it's an ad company, but as an engineer, awesome, I'm gonna do Java 8 asynchronous programming and use the latest reactive programming. That's pretty cool. I didn't really know much about that would be used in advertisement industry. And so here we are. And so suddenly we're getting an influx of engineers that might not have applied, but they like what they see in terms of the job description, but also what we're doing. 
So what we looked at and said, all right, well, if we can integrate career arc that gets the word out there, what else, what other tools can we use? And so we looked at a, an AI tool called Fetcher and they're a growing company. And what we kind of liked about them was that um, you could actually specify what roles that you wanted to use their platform for um, in your sourcing. So for example, if I knew like the top three roles were A, B, and C, I could say as a team, hey guys, let's focus on, on these roles. And the actual tool itself, you'd work with the Fetcher team. They actually do all the work of creating the bullion, like finding the right type of companies to go after, and they present it to you and say, here's what we have, does this look great? Here's some sample folks. You're like, perfect. And then what it'll do, it'll automatically go out and get like passive candidates to you, and then you get to rank them as well, and then their AI sort of goes out and keeps finding those type of folks. Um, and so it was like great because like you didn't have to t spend tons of time sourcing because of the bandwidth that we had in the small team, wow. but we were still able to get more responses from pa passive candidates. Even if they weren't interested, they responded. And I think because the tool automated the follow-ups, it just made it a lot easier as well. Totally. So basically I think what we looked into, let's combine social recruiting using this tool and getting a, a new tech recruiter on board. And that's why I feel like we're gonna be really able to meet our hiring objectives for this year, but also I think position ourselves for 2020 as well. It's interesting. I mean, you've really kind of summarized three ideas in a, in a nutshell because it starts with that workforce planning, right? We are gonna grow this amount or we're getting these new whatever the catalyst might be for yeah. your hiring we, we don't want to and, and it's going to be um you know it's going to be something that's substantial enough that it can constitute bringing on full-time uh, recruiters to manage that process um so you so you moved away from having the contractors or do you still have contractors no we don't have any contractors at the moment um you know, and a lot of the, for the contracting side, it was, it was really a lot of reactive recruiting. So, because we're able to get away from that, like you said, workforce planning, we kind of know what's, what's happening in Q1, Q2, Q3, yeah. Q4, right? And so we're not like suddenly um, engineering, it's like, here's 35 recs, go fill them all. It's like, all right, let's do this the right way, right? And because we're also building out some brand new products, there's a certain process that, that we take into consideration as well. So, so you, you have the workforce plan, you've got the hires, you've hired Wendy. Um, and uh, it's funny, one of my favorite punk rock songs, Wendy. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, so um, you have the workforce plan, you, you, you have your new uh, full-time hires, and then now you, you need, you realize that the technology that you have, that you could do better, especially with the new technologies that are out there. And this is something that, this was the whole reason I launched the conference because I myself wanted to know what the greatest and latest technologies are out there. You hear about the AI, you hear about the automation, and I myself know that I could automate processes alone. I know there's got to be technology out there that could do it better. And, uh, and so hearing from companies like Rubicon and what you guys did and what your experience was is so awesome and valuable 
I thank you for sharing that. Um, so you, so you got the social, you, you understood, like you got the social, uh, you know, uh, feelers out there and you get the engagement, but also how do we automate that? Because we don't have the time to do that. It's another job. It is. Right? It is. And so how helpful has that been? So how long have you had that implemented that, that system? So social recruiting, we've had it implemented since December mm -hmm. and, um, Fetcher, um, around, around the early part of the year, yeah, around January. Um, because what we didn't want to do is just kind of go crazy and get it, you know, whenever we saw it, we just had to make sure we had enough, you know, hands on it you know, to, to be able to not only just demo it, but make sure it works right. Um, and I'll tell you, like, we've seen an influx of, of new candidates. Um, and in fact, it's interesting because on the social recruiting side, um, what it does is, you know, it'll take all the jobs that you have and they'll start tweeting it out, even locally. So, you know, we actually hire for, we have an office in Tokyo. Uh, I remember once uh, we had some jobs posted for Tokyo and next, you know, you see like where it's being like kind of focused within Tokyo and you kind of see some candidates coming out of the woodwork, right? Uh, we also have an office in, in Milan, in Italy. We had some roles there from not, not engineering, but um, more on the RevOps side. So that's the cool thing about, I think, like for social recruiting uh, career arc, it's not just for tech, you know, roles. I mean, it's literally for any role in the company. So yeah. it's not only helping, you know, all the engineering roles, but it helps my, my colleague, um, Andrea Polonis, who covers everything on the corporate side, including uh, RevOps, which is also important for us. So, you know, we wanted to make sure that, you know, the tools that we use isn't just helping one segment of talent acquisition that it's going to help the whole team yeah across across the board yeah um so were there any technologies that you were using at the time that you said oh we got to get rid of this at last year we what we did is well a couple of years ago we, we did have some technologies and i think um not that they were they were bad i think it was just we weren't ready for it you know, and, and one of the things I looked at is like, I, I get bombarded, you know, every week, two or three emails about, you know, something cool, new, you can plug into this and that. And there's, there's a lot. I mean, and, and sometimes what companies will do is they'll say, hey, let's have three or four tools and technologies. And next thing you know, that's all you're focused on. And you forget the actual art of recruiting. I mean, at the end of the day, technology can only do so much because you have to connect with the candidate, take them through that process. But more importantly, if you're just spending all your time on just tools and technologies, you're gonna miss out on the other important aspect of recruiting, right? And so I think what we had before, we had a little too much to work with and not enough focus. Um, and then now what we decided, so last year, is we just said, let's just get back to the basics and use uh, our great referral program. Um, let's use you know, our LinkedIn search, a pure regular, your, you know, recruiting, uh, Boolean searches, and then let's figure out, like, as we plan for 2019, what's the right tool to use, you know, one or two. And so I think we've, we've definitely, you know, processed it the right way, and we're seeing um, positive effects about that. But yeah, that's one thing. So like, I think sometimes companies, we just like, oh, let's just try every single thing out there. Yeah, but, you know, does it make sense for the needs of your team, right? Mm -hmm. And that can be expensive as well. Who has time to put all their data into something 
and then have to extract it out and put it in something else and then learn how to use that technology. That's, that's time and money that I certainly don't have, um, which is why I wanted to have all these uh, you know, companies on to talk about what they've been using because they have more time and money than I do. <laughs> Well, it's also important that you have to have leadership buy-in to some of this, right? I mean, they're the ones that are signing off on, on the contracts for, for some of the tools and technologies you use. And it's important to like, you know, demo and vet them out before you present it, present it to, you, to the leaders and showcase, you know, what's the benefit of using that. Um, I think sometimes you kind of gloss it over and say, hey, this is, you know, you know, company A who's, you know, Google's using this thing, so we should use it. Well, might not make sense for us, even though Google uses it. Right? How? That's a great question. How do you sell um, that technology and buying that technology or the ROI to stakeholders, to the executive board? Well, what we have to do is say, okay, look, um, where did our spend go in terms of hiring? Right? You know, how much agency fees did we we pay? Um, how much did we pay in contract recruiters? Um, how much did we pay in, in hiring individuals that maybe we didn't have to hire? You know, so when you take all those numbers and say, okay, well, this particular tool or technology can save us X amount, but deliver equal or better in terms of the quality of hires, um, that's one aspect. And also we know that the longer a role is open, there's more work that the team is doing, right? So if these tools and technologies can also um, showcase the fact that the, the time to hire is less with a great quality candidate, that helps. The team gets excited about not having roles open for six to eight months. And then you know that if a role's open that long, teams are interviewing constantly, they're not actually doing what they're supposed to be doing as engineers, it really delays you know, going live with important products. So at the end of the day, it does affect the company long-term. It's, it's interesting too, because you've seen this, um, uh, you've seen this surge of these AI companies that claim that they could do all this for your sourcing needs and for your hiring needs. And a lot of them are startups. And there was, um, you know, this time where it was like this, uh, you know, just like these desktop-based ATSs, right, you know, um, that you would use like 10 years ago. And then it became like the cloud-based or um, the cloud-based ATS. And now it's like what ATS or um, sourcing tools are going to be on your phone, which of them are going to be mobile enabled. And then in during each of those shifts, you see these larger companies buy these smaller companies or they go out of business. So it's almost a risk at the same point where a lot of these companies are startups, but investing so much of your data into them. So I'm curious when you were looking at these newer companies, like Fetcher is only a few years old. Did you, how did you hear about them? Was it referred by somebody? You know, my manager had, had heard about them. She's, she's on a lot of HR um, organizations and uh, so word of mouth. She said, Hey, Nahal, check this out. If you think it's cool, let's try it out. I mean, She's great, you know, she's just like, check it out. It's, you know, not my expertise, just let me know. And so I, I tested it out and I was like, wow, this is doing some really cool work that I don't have to spend a lot of time doing. That's where, that <laughs> you know, cause uh, um, you know, there, you know, so, so you gotta oh, show them, <laughs> yeah. you gotta show that, look, it's still um, bringing 
the end result, which is where we had the quality higher, but here's what it can, here's some additional quality, here's some additional benefits that we can get out of it, right? So I think you gotta just kind of talk about that. Um, but like I said, at the end of the day, you gotta have a really good relationship with your manager and leadership for them to understand why we wanna use these technologies. Um, okay. So I was looking at your LinkedIn profile uh -huh. and uh, you have a really interesting background. You have a lot of experience and you and I actually came from the same Fortune 500 staffing agency. Yes. I, I always like to just say it that way. I don't like to, to say, the, say the name. I just say the Fortune 500 staffing agency. But, um, and, and, and really, however, the best training I feel hands down that I received, um, although things have certainly shifted um, to like the automation that we've just been talking about in social media. But um, tell me, how did you get into recruiting? Did I see you were a developer previous, previously or? Yeah. Well, even previous to that, so when I, when I first started going to school, I actually had no idea what I wanted to be. Um, I always just loved being around people. I like to help people. So I was like, oh, maybe I should be a psychologist. So I actually started studying psychology and thought I'd go into the social work side. And uh, then I realized, man, to really be successful, you got to do like a PhD, you got to do a lot of research. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't see myself like, being in school for that long. So then I looked at the fact that I always used to dabble with computers, but I never was interested in computers in high school because I thought the nerds aren't just cool people. And, you know, if I was a nerd back then, I stayed a nerd, I probably would be in a different situation. But, you know, I, I just always loved computers and around um, 96, 97, you know, really the web was just starting to take start moving and grow, you know, growing. And um, I was like, oh, what is this World Wide Web? Oh, okay, so I kind of decided maybe I should, you know, go ahead, get into computers, right? And so I went to school to go and study information systems. And so during that time is where I got more of the business side and also just from the programming side. And then um, I also was working at a small little software company um, in Michigan. And um, I really just enjoyed technology at that time, but I was not a really good coder. Like I was okay. I wasn't really the best, but my manager was like, Hey, but you really are great at talking to people. You know, maybe we can have you manage some projects, you know, maybe, you know, be a product manager. I'm like, okay, that sounds cool. But um, around uh, 2000, 2001 at the dot-com, uh, the burst of the dot-com era there, um, our company sort of went under, it was a small company. And so at that time I'm like, well, I know that I, I don't wanna be a developer. And someone said, hey, you should be a tech recruiter. I'm like, okay, um, you, know, you know technology, you know how to talk to people. You just gotta go out and find the right candidates and make sure it's a fit. I'm like, okay, by principle, that seems pretty simple. And then that's where it's, it all started in 2003, joined the famous Fortune 500 company um, where, where I'll be honest, like it was great training. I mean, if it wasn't for that, I, I wouldn't be where I'm at, you know? Um, you were there for eight years? I was there for almost six, actually. Oh, okay. Um, six, but agency-wise, I've been in- Still a long agency. time to be, Yeah. I mean, I think if you last more than two years there, if you last more than, I think, a month. 
<laughs> I think the saying was, if you last more than a month, they like you. If uh, you last more than three months, then then you like them or something like that. There was some sort of high turnover rate. So that's amazing. I was there for six years. Woo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess they really loved me. Um, no, it was great. Totally. Look, I mean, it was, it was you're, you're learning about recruiting, right? Um, I started out doing the contract recruiting side. Eventually, I got exposed to uh, the full desk. And I was like, oh, this is great. I have relations with clients and candidates, like put two to two together. Really enjoyed that whole side of recruiting. And then, um, and then I was ready to sort of make some changes to come out to California. And so came out to California and then really kind of extended my uh, agency experience and to really focus on um, full desk recruiting because I wanted to really um, get that under my belt and really understand how that works. And then around, you know, six years ago, uh, yeah, six years ago around this time, I was like, you know, I've done a lot of work on the agency side. It's been great. But, you know, I had some friends who had left and joined some well-known companies internally. They kind of talked about their experience and, and seeing uh, folks that they hire sort of grow their career. And so it was just a different engagement. And I told myself, that sounds pretty interesting. Like, it'd be really cool to, like, actually work for a company and understand how they hire, but also bring about, you know, principles of agency hiring internally because I could probably help move things along quicker. You know, as back in the agency days, it's you work closest to the dollar and you want to close racks quickly. It's like, okay, well, if you can kind of bring that sort of sense of urgency internally, I'm like, oh, I could probably help a lot of companies. So went out and took sort of this leap of faith, left a full-time role and started um, contracting uh, with a company called auction.com. Uh, they were based in Irvine, but I was actually working remotely and helping out their San Francisco uh, engineering team. It was my first sort of foray into internal recruiting. And I was, I loved it. I was like, this is great. Like, I can talk to managers and they're not shutting the door because I'm an agency recruiter. Like, they want to work with you. And so that began my journey of sort of being in the internal side of recruiting and uh, different, you know, contracts and just growing and absorbing and learning is where I ended up at Rubicon Project uh, three years ago, about this time, actually. Um, and since then, I've, I've learned a lot to where, you know, being able to not only just handle a great workload and, and really help an organization grow, but also really consult with my hiring managers, right? And sort of being able to bring a great experience for them and also for candidates. And so it's been a crazy career. And I think about it, you know, like 16 years ago is when I got into recruiting and I love it. And I'm um, looking forward to just where this is going to go, you know? It's really kind of, it's an interesting time too, to be able to, what, what I like that you've been able when you're in a position where you are in a growth or you're in a change where you can bring in the new systems like you, you've done and implement those and test them out, that's exciting. And that's a, that's a really cool time to be joint, to join a company when you have the capability to do that. And also I think, you know, because I've been at different places, you kind of can learn like, all right, Hey, you know, at this one company, I've noticed this worked, right? that'd be great to take that concept and implement it somewhere else. And so a lot of what we, a lot of what I do here has been from experiences I've had at different places and you kind of 
figure out like what works. And so I've, I'm, I'm happy that I went through that experience because six years ago, I had no idea how internal recruiting works. And then if you look at it in 2003, I had no idea how recruiting itself works. So I think it's important to always uh, be open to learning wherever you're at and then being able to adapt, but also take what you've learned and be able to implement it to wherever you go in your career. Have you, you're going to be speaking at just, you're talking about learning and um, you're going to be speaking at LAX Tech Recruit in July at, at, at my conference. And I've asked you to do a presentation on, on kind of how you implemented these systems at Rubicon Project. But I was going to, have you spoken at other events before or done anything of that where you've actually shared what you've done before with recruiters? I, not uh, like officially, I mean, I have like a, a group of recruiters that we always get together and we're like sharing ideas all the time, but I'm really excited about this because I think, you know, a lot of the conferences I've been to, I mean, they've been so huge, right? You, yeah. You know, if you go to LinkedIn's Talent Connect, I mean, good luck trying to, you know, get on stage there, right? Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of really great conferences and I think it's just more about, I didn't feel like I had enough information that was worthwhile to share. You know, sometimes I feel like some speakers get up, they just like to talk and you're like, okay, I don't know if I got much out of it. So I never wanted to be out there just to present, just to present. So I, I always felt like when the time was right, right? And I think you and I just getting to know each other for last year um, and then kind of talking recently, I think it was like, you know what, this is probably the right time because I feel like I have something of value I can share to the rest of the community. And, and that's why I, I decided like this would be a great time to to get that part of my career going. That is the whole like in recruiting, it's all about timing, right? It is. That it is. <laughs> and everything with recruiting, I always feel like it's all about. I mean, if you have the engagement, you can have the outreach, but I just always feel like. But with those systems that you use, it's about you also being there with your brand at the right time when that time for the candidate comes. But yes, you were, I, I host LinkedIn local Los Angeles and you were at our recruiter social and we were just talking about some, I think we all went in the back and there was like 30 recruiters and we all got in a big circle and I mean, we could have just held hands <laughs> and some kumbaya, but um, we went around the circle and we talked about some of the challenges that we've had and you shared some of your ideas on how you've addressed some of your guys's challenges and that's what i said would you want to share this at our conference and and so yeah it was just like the timing worked out perfectly um so tell me so tell us what you're going to be speaking about at lax tech recruit so what i want to talk about is um the fact that you know as internal recruiters you know, we have to use different resources when it comes to really finding the right candidates and um, technology and using tools and making it easier uh, to help recruit is what sort of turned me on to like the fact that we should talk about technology and how to use it and not be afraid of it, but also talk about that it can be technology overload and to make sure it's the right type of technology. So what I'm gonna talk about is, you know, a way for a team to look internally and say, okay, um, as a team, what are our goals for, for hiring, right? And if it's X, Y, and Z, how are we going to meet those goals? Are we going to rely 
on agencies? Are we going to rely just on our referral program? You know, what are the resources that we're going to look at of where we're getting the candidates? Technology should be one of them. And if it is, how do you go about using that, choosing that technology? Uh, how do you go about figuring out like if it's the right technology as well? So I will cover different areas such as, you know, you know, the size of the team. That's also important because, you know, if you have a very large team that's using three or four technologies, there's a lot of data you have to work with. You're going to spend a lot of time just looking at data and analytics and, but you got to be able to execute very quickly. So you got to make sure that, okay, is, is the tool that you're using the right tool? Um, if you are a lean team, like the one um, that we were in, okay, well, how can you evaluate what's the right tool to use? And then also, I think talk about like trying to find the data and also show the benefits of what's, how it's happened, right? So a lot of reporting. So one of the key things is like, you know, is the tool that you're using have a great reporting capabilities? Because if you're spending some money on it, you gotta show the ROI on it as well, right? So kind of talk about just, a way to look at different technologies, look at your team, and decide which ones could be the right ones. You know, um, I'm not here to like advertise for the ones that I'm using because you know the ones that I use right now just make sense for the environment that we're in. Yeah, that sounds like a really good talk. We're really looking forward to having you speak at LAX Tech Recruit. You're gonna be on stage with a lot of great presenters. I, I believe um, Hallmark Labs is going to be moderating the panel. We have Google, um, Lockheed Martin, um, Chow Now, and, and yeah. Candace Taylor is actually in your building. Is that right? It is. They're in the second floor and I know Candace well. So yeah, pretty. I'm very excited. It's gonna be a really good Los Angeles um, group of, of talent acquisition professionals and recruiters who are gonna be sharing what they do to make their job more efficient and the technologies that they use. So it'll be a really fun day. Um, I wanna ask you one last question as, as we close here. Um, has there been people in your, uh, in your journey who mm -hmm. helped you, mentors or anybody who's kind of helped you or opened doors for you along the way? Yes, there are. I mean, you know, it just goes back to like, just recruiting itself. Like, even if an opportunity doesn't work out for you, um, you always leave the door open. Um, anyone that you come in contact with, um, maybe there's nothing there at this, at this time, but if you've got a good connection with someone, um, it's always good to like keep that bond going and just the open communication uh, and be just um, flexible, right? You can't be like, this is my one thing I wanna do. Etc. But yeah, I would say there are uh, a handful of people that I have met along my career who have helped shape my career, but also given me opportunities to grow as well. I, I asked because I feel like um, there has, at least for me, I, I feel like when I first started in recruitment, there was a lot of closed doors, siloed, no one wanted to share their process. I, I literally remember when I first got on LinkedIn a decade ago, and, and other recruiters saying, I don't LinkedIn with other, I don't link in with other recruiters and they don't like network with them. And it was very kind of like, you know, and I feel like that has either changed or I'm older. I don't, <laughs> I don't know which it is, but do you feel that's changed that people are more open now? For sure. For sure. And I think, um, I think it's conferences like these and just other conferences I've been to, I think you start realizing that, okay, 
sure, we might be competing for the same type of talent, but it's like, if I don't hire that person, it's not like I'm losing out on my commission fee, right? So it's a whole different mindset. So it's like, you know what? Like, and I talk to my friends, I go, look, you know, we interviewed this person and we passed because of this, but man, like if we had a different type of role, we'd love to hire this person. I should check them out, right? And so we start sharing information. It's like we get together and say, oh, you know, we have this one team and they want to have like a five-step interview process. How do I do this? You know, how do I handle that, right? And so we you start looking at the fact that become partners in this world that we're in. But it's definitely shifted over the last four or five years for sure. And uh, I mean, I'm excited to, you know, uh, meet more folks, you know, at these conferences because trust me, I learned a lot from them and, and, and hopefully they can learn uh, from me as well. And I think it just goes both ways. I feel like with all the speakers that we have on the, on the, at the conference, they're all in that same mindset of wanting to share and wanting to network and wanting to meet one another. So when everybody comes with that mindset, it creates an awesome vibe. I, feel, I don't I feel like there's always been this really good vibe at these events where people are just, uh, it's just a good, I can't explain it. It's just a really good vibe. Well, also I think, you know, I feel like LA is, is, it's sort of that sort of the last place where it really kind of started gelling, you know, yeah, maybe we were, the LA tech community, I don't think was really taken seriously nationwide. It was like, ah, it's LA, but we've been, we've been a really huge force now, you know, and, um, I think it's a great advantage because like you go to San Francisco, you go to New York and it can be a little bit overwhelming in terms of the vastness that's there. And LA, even though it's technically geographically one of the largest cities, yeah. it's a, it's a pretty tight knit community, you know, and like you just see that, you know, you know, so-and-so was at this company, went to another company as, as a recruiter. Oh, but Hey, you know what? I know 20 of his friends. Right. And so you start noticing that it's really a lot tight knit, more of a tight knit community here um, than I feel anywhere else in terms of a large metropolitan area. So um, if people want to get hold of you, how mm -hmm. can they find you, Nahal? How can they find me? Um, the easiest is, is my LinkedIn profile. Uh, I mean, I like share all my information there. Um, yeah, I mean, I just keep it simple and, and, and use my LinkedIn profile. And it's funny because like, I thought about it the other day, I'm like, you know, I don't think I had changed my profile information in a long time. So in fact, I think, um, uh, probably about three weeks ago is when I changed my picture, added some information because you, you kind of forget that that is sort of a living active mm -hmm. profile that's out there. And so it's important to kind of say, Hey, since that's where, um, a lot of eyes are, that's the place most people check you out. Um, it's best to like keep most updated information. What did you do to update? Cause I've gone through this before. Like do what yeah. should I, my skills and then I added different skills and took some away and I was like, wait, I should have left that because I had all these endorsements. What have you, what did you update? You know, uh, basically I updated um, some key projects, initiatives that we were working on. Um, for example, like one of the things we've done this year um, is actually host a lot of um, events, it's like hiring events. Um, At Rubicon? No, no. Well, no. So just to back up a bit. So, uh, for example, 
we have an office in Bozeman and we wanted to hire some people in Bozeman. We're like, okay, well, it's a small tech community. How do we find the right talent? Reached out to someone that ran a local meetup and said, hey, we have an office there. We want to host a meetup at a brewery. Great. 30 people showed up. We're like, holy cow. We hired, I think, four people out of that event. And that's awesome. Super cost effective, right? And so what we said, okay, if we're getting into new market, why don't we just throw it out there, right? And so I knew that as we're advertising, these people would look at my LinkedIn profile. And so then on that profile, I would list that event or I would list like, hey, come to New Jersey, here are the roles we're looking to hire, right? And just make it very much about that versus your profile, your current profile, more of like a resume. It's really all about like, hey, here's why you should check us out. Here's what I'm working on that might be exciting for you. Come check us out, right? And so I changed it more at that angle versus like, oh, here are all my skill sets and this is what I do and this is the technologies I cover. So, yeah. <laughs> it was more for who you're looking for. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, and that's what I had done. And then I saw this article where you got to make it more like about yours. And I was just like, well, <laughs> I would rather have, you know, a Java or a Python engineer coming to look at my profile. Uh, I love what you said about the hosting events because I, so I do the CTO roundtable events, right? And I've been doing those for 10 years. And I always thought, why aren't companies doing these to recruit talent because we've always done this and um and we've helped some companies in doing it hosting at their their um headquarters and i'm so surprised that more companies aren't doing that but what we do with ours is a, it's a little different with the cto roundtable it's five brands it's like mm -hmm. five different brands yeah. and um for and and the audience is software engineers and so we've had some companies say where they don't want five brands. They don't want four other competitions looking for the same talent sure. at, you know, at their headquarters. They want it to be all about them. But I feel like if you have this kind of diverse panel, um, that it will bring more, at least that's what's been successful for us. Mm -hmm. How do you guys run your events? Do you do, you do it through a different, through a meetup? You like find a meetup to host it? Yeah. Well, our, so our, my angle is, is this. So for example, um, New Jersey, right? So New Jersey, we knew we were looking to hire uh, four different, uh, or fill four different roles. Um, so as, as we posted our jobs, as we started getting interest in candidates applying, yeah. I looked at and said, okay, you know what? Uh, through my sourcing, our team's referrals, and just folks that are interested, said, ah, there's a pool of about 25 people, you know, why don't we just invite them to an event? They can be themselves and they can chat about what they do. And you walk away from the event saying, hey, wow, you know, we met 25 people. Of these 25, here's some 10 that really stood out, right? Yeah. And so those 10, you follow up and say, hey, you know what? It was really great meeting you. Um, you know, we're really interested in what you can do. Why don't you come out to our office tomorrow, hang out with us, talk a little bit more about your background. And so we kind of really break down the, the walls of like going through a lot of formality because what we realize is if you can be yourself and it's not like this oh my god i gotta sit here and whiteboard then you kind of really get a sense of what a person's like right now from there if you wanted to take someone through sort of more of a formal process you can but you know we've been able to hire people a lot faster that way and i'll be honest with you 
it was not that expensive, right? And you just got to say, hey, local meetup group, we're going to be out there. You know, you've got some great engineers. If you want to promote it, you can. Um, so it's a little bit different. So I think for us, we're not like opening it up to like, you know, all, you know, we're not opening it up to where we have all these companies come in specifically for yeah. a set of candidates that we want to get excited about Rubicon project. So. Want to give a big shout out to our sponsor, ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Send your jobs to 100 plus job boards with one submission. As your qualified candidates roll in, ZipRecruiter makes it easy to screen and rate them, allowing you to make the best hires. You can try it for free today by going to ZipRecruiter.com and tell them Stacy sent you. What about career fairs? Have you guys had much, have you done any investment in, in career fairs or? No, I mean, the, the, the ones that, well, so we did one in LA a few years ago. Mm -hmm. um, the only situation was I think 85 to 90% of the applicants were new grads or they're about to, mm -hmm. to finish school, which totally understand. I've, I've been there That's before, yeah. but I think, as a company for us, we're like, oh, we only have, you know, 30 roles to fill. Of these 30, you know, zero are associate or entry level. We go to this event, we're going to get a lot of individuals that are looking for to start their career, which is completely understandable. Um, for us, it didn't make sense on some of the larger career fairs. Mm -hmm. um, we did a career fair in Bozeman, which was successful because we only had a few roles in Bozeman and we were open to associate engineers. Um, and so we partnered up with Montana State University at their career fair and had a chance to present our platform as well. And that works out. So I think sometimes you got to look and say, I think it's easy to like attend every fair, every event. And after all, you just have an influx of candidates you have to follow up with. I think you just got to be a little bit more strategic about what makes sense for what you have open and what you're trying to hire for. So That's to answer your questions, I don't do a lot of it's, I asked because LMU had this uh, Silicon Beach Expo and uh, the guy who was developing it uh, disappeared. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Um, and they asked for me to take it over okay. um, this year in, in November. And so what they wanted it to be is like one of those college career fairs slash my conference. So it would be, you know, like, uh, it would be like my event with presentations and panels. Okay. Probably more so like software engineers or I, I you know, like probably not entirely recruiters, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But, um, and then <clears throat> career tables, right? Okay. So over like a two to three day event. And so I was looking at, and so I was just curious because you know, is how would I price that out and what would the value be for, and I know what career, what they charge for career fairs, but I'm curious, I've, I'm, I was curious, like if you do events and I, and I love that you do because I feel like so many companies, it's such an easy win to have an event and do a barbecue or what have you. But then, um, uh, if it, I was wondering if it was worth it to take that over for them, just something I'm considering. Could. It could, well, you can also kind of put sort of your, 
I guess your angle at it as well. I mean, mm. you look at it this way, I think it's it's really kind of like you're trying to brand something, right? And so like, I think if it's like, if you're going to career fair, you know, are you trying to like get your brand out there? Mm. Um, like what, what's your end objective and some of the folks you're trying to get? Like, is it specific for uh, certain type of roles or are you just like hiring in general for the company as a whole, right? And so I think, you can definitely, I think, um, be able, like, I guess, but from what you're saying is, yeah, I would hope companies would want to host a table because they're hiring. But then the thought is if it's a, um, if it is at a university that perhaps maybe it's more seniors. However, last year there was that, um, that tech job fair mm -hmm. that was not at a university. It was just kind of like for everybody, technology job fair. Yeah, the one um, downtown LA. Jason Nazar's. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Um, and and I and I'd be curious, to kind of what uh, the catalyst for some of his sponsors were, the companies were for coming in. Did you guys Did you guys have a table? We didn't go this year. We went a couple of years ago, and I think it was. Uh, it might have been maybe the first year that they that they had done it. Um, and I, it was like from super startups to you know SpaceX and right. Tesla. It was like. Wow. Okay. And you knew where the lines were, Tesla, SpaceX, Snapchat. Like it was kind of like, all right, well, the brands are definitely getting it, you know? Um, so you, <laughs> and so you'd have people come in like Rubicon project. What's that? And you know, 90% of the time you're trying to explain what you do. Um, so I think like there's a place for that. Um, I think for us, I think we just wanted to try it and just kind of jumped into it. Um, was it mostly um, new grads or? It was a lot of, yeah, it was a lot of new grads. Yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, sometimes, I think tech fairs should try to like segment the market to yeah. the companies that are coming. You know, like for example, if you know you're gonna have a lot of new grads coming over, it'd be like the companies that you want there say, hey, you know, Rubicon Project, look, we have about, you know, 2000 new grads coming up, like, do you guys have entry-level roles to fill? Oh yeah, you do. Do you have an internship program? Yes, you do. Great. This could be an opportunity for you, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you don't have any of that and you, and they tell you that uh, the number of folks are coming are more junior level, then you're almost kind of like just oh. time is gone, right? Unless you're just trying to get the brand out there and just put it out there. Yeah. I think like it's important uh, for, the organization that's hosting this type of career fair um, to get the right companies and then also for companies to make sure that whatever career fair they're getting involved in, um, there's a certain reason why that career fair makes sense for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have you guys done anything with built-in? Uh, we haven't yet. Um, I think it's an organization. I think we are always sort of um, evaluating. I mean, like, um, you know, like I said, I think every group has uh, a certain uh, service that they give out that makes sense. Yeah. I think Built-in does an amazing job for a lot of the companies here in LA and just other places and getting the brand out there and, and having the community be aware of, of those particular companies. Um, you know, for us, I think like there's this sort of point of like, okay, you know, is that sort of a place we could be now? or is that something we did before? Or is it something we can do in the future? And also for us, it's a little tough because we hire in so many different locations. It's interestingly, right now we actually have more open roles outside of our headquarters. Yeah. 
than than usual. And so, you know, a group like built in LA that can specialize in local region, you know, might not make sense at this time, right? But it's interesting because I think like if you could do it at your own location, you should just mm -hmm. fully do that. We do. We we actually um, I think like that's something that we're looking into again. I mean, we have a, a pretty awesome location here. Um, so definitely we're always thinking about that um, as well. So yeah, we, we probably, <laughs> we'll probably we'll probably be hosting some events here uh, in the near future. Okay. Well, thank you, Nahal, so much for being part of the Tech Recruit Podcast. You have yourself a wonderful day. Great. Thank you so much, Stacey, and looking forward to seeing you again soon.